a member of the DATC media family. first memory of it is we were practicing, I think, on Marion Street. And Pony just had the boom, 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 And that was it. So everything else kind of started from there. Um, and it's funny because, side note, Vince at the time was a big hippie. And we were going to go see a bunch of fish shows. And he and I were selling t-shirts. And he, as we were writing this song, he had decided that for the summer tour, he wanted just to be called August, his name. So he basically, if I saw him, I'd be like, what's up, August? Hey, August, can I get 10 bucks so I can buy some? Hey, August, can we pull over to get, get like that? So <laughs> as we're working on the song, we needed a working title. So I just was like, let's just call it August because it would be just like make fun of Vince. Um, so yeah, that's that's where it, it basically started from a bass line. And then we put the, I added the the E minor chords for the, the rest of it. And then we were listening to Fish back then and a lot of their songs had, you know, long compositional parts so we're like we we need some stuff like that too and that's your favorite so, fish stuff right the real composed stuff right yeah the older stuff um so yeah the the composed stuff so i think that was kind of our attempt to be like well, let's see if we can do it and when <laughs> we finished 18 minutes later um <laughs> listening back it's like i think we just let's just cut from the fat one riff I got to give credit to in that song is my older brother's. The original version was a. Uh, 
so it's like an A, C to D, C to G. And that I just remember him playing that one summer over. A little over jig part. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I when we were writing it and putting the song together, I, I we were at like a family reunion. I was like, hey man, do you mind? If, are you using the? And he's like, no, I'm a professor of Spanish. I, 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 you can have it. So I put it in that song. I don't think I ever gave him credit, but. It says writing credits as Bayless in the back, so you get some of that. take you into episode three of the Humphreys McGee Wow show. Wow. Hey, Rob. This is Rob, and of course, with me, Jimmy Knowledge. Hello. Jimmy, it's good, it's thanks good to for be joining here. me again. Second song. Excited. Boy, boy, is she a beauty. Yes, and we have one of great Great historical import, great umph historical importance, and uh, with uh, lyrics that, as as I've said before, always fill me with warmth. And I never really knew what is a, what it was about, but we're going to find out. I certainly never knew that his brother had helped him write some parts of it. Can you can you tell us about which brother to which brother he is referring? Uh, well, Brennan credits uh, his older brother Rob Rob Bayless, named after Coach Bayless, Coach Bobby. Bayless. Um, and I think Rob was instrumental, certainly in, in teaching, getting Brendan interested in guitar. Um, so cool to learn that they have a, a connection on this song. Yeah, very much so. Of course, we're talking about August, a very moving I don't even know if you could call it ballad, power ballad. I mean, when, when they're in arenas, it feels like an arena rock ballad thing, you know, when it, when it's done right with, with it, a little improv. It's definitely more of a melodic uh, mood. And uh, oftentimes the improv gets into kind of bliss uh, sound. Not always. And that's not a bad thing either. Uh, it's, it's just a super unique history to it. It, I mean, I think it gives it a lot of personality for a song. And diving into these songs, Jimmy, I'm finding it's forcing me to listen to multiple versions of the song in a short period of time, which is against my nature. I generally like to hear a bunch of different stuff, but um, this song, the way they approach the improv can really, or mainly the Jake part, can really uh the, the early first section uh 
can just come out in so many different ways. Like that, that sweet, sweet one I was listening to today. I don't want to be too specific because we got the metal round coming up and I don't want to like influence anybody one way or the other. <laughs> but then others that are real aggressive, some recent ones that are real aggressive right out of the shoot. Uh, and then almost you get a Jake solo early. And obviously is another one of these songs that date back to prior to the era prior to Jake being in the band. And those generally have a big Brendan solo in them. Isn't Rob, that this, correct? This song dates back prior to Umphreys. This is one of the few that can claim that it was written in the Brendan and Ryan band, Tashi Station, played along with two guys, two uh, friends from Notre Dame, Greg Andrewless and Steve Gosh, I'm going to forget his name. Sanders was his nickname. Sorry, Steve. Yeah, that's a nickname in there. That's good. Um, and so August was one of these very early songs that Brendan brought into. Uh, Tashi Station lasted about a year, a little over a year. And and uh, when they merged with another band on campus and, and got Joel and Mike Brendan brought in a lot of probably all of their originals, but not all lasted uh, much beyond uh, six months. Um, and August, let's, gosh, there's so much to get into this. Rob, where do you yes. want to start? Well, I'll first say that the more astute uh, Umphreys fans know that, you know, the song went through quite a metamorphosis. It used to be much longer. We will get into that. And that Jimmy Knowledge fans, which I'm learning more and more every day, they were Jimmy Knowledge, Jimmy Rogers fans before this podcast, know that you wrote uh, an essay, a multi-sectioned, wonderful essay on, you know, the, the evolution of August, breaking down specific versions, talking about the whole structure of the original version and we'll get into some of that as well boy right? Rob, that was that was months before the pandemic started i i struck upon that listening project and uh it hasn't I, I haven't had a chance to finish it but the inspiration of charting a song's evolution and and uh i guess we should say now that it was included uh, on their first studio album, the, the first output that they slapped together just so they could get CDs around town and book more gigs. August was the last track on Greatest Hits Volume 3. I mean, we'll hear uh, that later on in this episode. Being a Greatest Hits album, it, it naturally came from earlier albums that the band had put out. <laughs> And, uh, and, and August uh, had been on Michiana Transit Authority. Everybody remembers when Michiana Transit Authority came out. Uh, only peaked at number eight, which, you know, you win some, you lose some when you put out a lot of, you know, eight albums before you come out with your first album. Right. Yeah. Pretty good stuff. You know, they've always, they've always kind of made their own way in the music business. It's one of the things I love about them, Jimmy. It's a great, just personal statement up front. Yes. Um, but August, August appears and it is a 15 and a half minute uh, behemoth fill in your, uh, it, it is a multi-layered wedding cake of a composition. We're just, 
we're just teasing now because we're going to get to the wedding cake. But for now, I mean, do you have any, any other comments about, I mean, just the different tones, the, all the different versions you've heard of it. I mean, it, it, it does have, uh, you know, a variety of feels to it, but it has certain parts that tend to be the same version of version. I mean, there's a, there's a overall tenderness to the song. Uh, and I, I think, do you want to just read the lyrics, Rob? Just, I liked how you read the Hurtbird Bath lyrics. You want to do that? And we'll there, aren't, there aren't many here. You do these then, since I, got, right. I got to speak, you do these. I was actually looking forward to reading the lyrics, but maybe we should stretch off every episode. Well, here we go. Here's, uh, Brendan draws out the O, but I'm not yes. going to, because my, my, my pipes are not as uh, bronzed as, as Brendan's. Oh, well, I had offered. Up oh, once well. was mine. And I did overcome my grief through the old in time. That line intrigues me. Is that with the wisdom of experience and aging helped me move on from something that maybe isn't as profound because I've lived more time on earth, you know, or, or isn't as the pain is more manageable because you have a better context. It's a very simple two lines there that uh, for a recent, not even college grad, he's in college. Um, that is some powerful poetry. I think so. Yes. All Go right. On. Uh, going on, forget all that you felt, leave it all inside. But I, I will walk slow. I won't see too much later, but will you know time will compensate her? That has, layers of that have kind of revealed as over the years. And it is, that's just a fun, I feel, metaphor that he uh, kind of throws out there you're walking slow because you're not going to see somebody much later that can be applied to romantic relationships parental relationships god grandparents kids like just enjoy appreciate and be grateful because i see i see temper your reactions in that mm. take it in stride let the pain be what it is but let time take care of it. You don't have to, you don't have to act here. But we all see different things. I'm not saying any's right or wrong, of course. As always, a standing thing in this show, I'll say it every episode if I have to. Any meaning you ever take from any song is valid to you. Don't ever let anyone tell you otherwise, uh, particularly in the rock genre and the folk music genres. Uh, you know, allegories are there so that you can find meaning. And the meaning you find may evolve as you age and stumble through life or whatever new new experiences imbue new meaning on the same words and that's a part of living onward uh those are those are all the lyrics rob that's it that's it right and that's that he sings those the and then there's some instrumental that's more jake led then in the old days, and then they, that actually gets more detailed more involved in the old days there would be a more lyrics and almost lyrical stewish um, in the middle, not totally composed lyrics, and then off to the no, no, and then Brendan would sing it, the, the the sing repeat the first verse, and then you get the Brendan solo, right? Generally, uh, well, the the question is begged there. 
are we talking the original composition or are we talking the reconstructed? Because that, I think we should let Brendan share a few thoughts about the lyrics and hear some of his thoughts, how that came together and, and what was in his mind. And we'll come back and talk its composition. it's really simple because it's about for me it was just about like a a girlfriend you know uh from and i was written years later thinking about an old girlfriend and then um that's all that i mean that's what it is about but if you think about it it's only four lines (laughs) because it's whoa 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 (laughs) it's half of (laughs) that's not really much um but um anyway like she's an old i haven't even talked to her in I don't know, 20 years, like an old high school girlfriend, but, you know, some people graduated and just disappeared and turned away and like walked away and were like, peace, you know, I'm out of this town and that she was one of them. So it's kind of like just thinking about her for some reason. An old friend who's from Croatia and he was very well read and he was a good poet and he and I used to talk about that kind of stuff. And one night we were hanging out and he's like, you know what? I really like august and i think the lyrics are great and i was like are you fucking with me because like there's only five four lines and that's it but apparently it resonates with rob turner so it can be elegance and simplicity they really can and willie dixon was the king of it you know amen yeah all right on a scale of bob to uh, attachments, how much of a chance does the full composition have of, of getting dusted off? Like an humble Negative. reading. Negative yeah. Bob. Negative Bob. Negative Bob. Well, good news for Bob. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No. Um, yeah, just I made really, the Bob fans happy. <laughs> it's funny. I just, I, some people are nostalgic and some people, I, I really have zero interest in, in it. And I don't mean uh, like I don't want to insult anybody because I guess I would just be insulting myself. But uh, I'm more interested in in all the the new stuff that you haven't heard yet. Well, it is yeah. 12 minutes dedicated to working through the sections versus 12 minutes of anything else that it could be. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't count on it coming back. 
Some of the desire of hearing the old songs isn't nostalgia, though. It's about hearing hearing them with through the new equipment, the new sound of the band. But I could be I I can understand being a band and not wanting to revisit old stuff. Um, Well, if if you think about a song as like a time stamp or a yearbook photo, where was I in two thousand one or nineteen ninety nine? Oh, I can listen to that song. You know, some yearbook photos are embarrassing to look at. Jimmy, Jimmy can relate. I've got my St. Joe yearbooks right here. really rad fan art is your band wanting to get into the ears of um freaks maybe your small business provides an awesome service and you'd like some like-minded clients to work with are you looking to hire some music loving folks for your team perhaps you've had an idea for an umphreys themed podcast or something else that you just know this community would love but you weren't sure where to start Dropped Among This Crowd Media Company wants to help. With space available for your Umphreys-related show idea, social media promotion of your band, ad spots across the network, and so much more, Dropped Among This Crowd Media Company can help you be seen, heard, and reach tons of fellow Umphreaks, musicians, and other kind folks. Want to know more or have questions? Shoot an email to Sarah at DATCMediaCompany.com. Well, Jimmy, uh, we move into a conversation about this, uh, the original August. And as the author of the best written piece I've ever seen on this song, I think you're, you're very well suited to, to uh, take, us, take our hand and lead us into the world of the original August. The original August, you just, you got to get inside the head of college kids putting out their first album and making a 15 and a half minute song. You, you heard Bernard talk. I mean, it, there is a lot of fish influence that is uh, just teeming with this song, but they, it, it, it closed their album and you just can't, uh, I, I can't help but compare it to uh other other amazing album closers um i'm not saying it is on par with these songs but maybe i am maybe i am rob uh thanks to stephen hyden stephen hyden did a like a ask a music critic article responding to a question what are the best album closing tracks of all time and boy that is a fun list to engage with 
And uh, I'll tell you some of them, Rob, Desolation Row, Bob Dylan. Right, Beatles, my will. Beatles, A Day in the Life, Peppers. Stones, You Can't Always Get What You Want. Prince, Purple Rain. Freebird. Springsteen, Jungle Land. Weezer, Only in Dreams. Even Nirvana through All Apologies as their album closer. So August August joins that list, May which I is exciting. Shout out to Blues for All, title track, Blues for All. Terrapin Station, title track, Terrapin Station. Mm. Um, and so I think it's, it's uh, kind of uh, worthwhile to look at, all right, they, they were trying to make a statement. Um, what were they saying? And I, I include this in, in, I guess I still call it a blog. It's, it's probably more hip to call it a sub stack now, but the blog, the blog article, the adolescence of August, um, uh, the song opened with a bass intro, a bass feature, and then slowly the different instruments joined at the time it was, they recorded this, it was a four piece band. So the guitar joined Joel on the piano joined. And the drums joined, uh, and they did back-to-back verse-chorus, verse-chorus. There was no, uh, not really any music, uh, much of an interlude in between there. And then they uh, they, they move into the the first of uh, you could count five or six different movements that are it's all instrumental from here. Yes, if I may. Ish. <laughs> Definitely composed sections that do vary from one another, but not all that much. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't think they shift key at all. Um, and th- there's some up tempo and down tempo. Um, there's, and, and they finish with a pretty good guitar soaring peak. Um, there's, there's a, an emotional arc to moving through these passages but it gets a little meandering, I'd say sometimes. Um, but it does, like I said, it has that that separate Bayless lyric jam. That I am I correct in saying that from the versions I've heard, it, it doesn't seem like they're, they're. It's almost like a, an early lyrical stew, and we're going to talk about lyrical stews too. Those are uh, moments of improv where vocals are part of the uh, improv, whether that, pre-written or not. Yeah, it does seem like Bayless. Uh, kind of unplanned got inspired to uh, sing kind of a, a, a reprise of the chorus um, during a, a kind of a dramatic piano section, quieter section. Um, so a lot of nice, also a lot of nice piano, a lot of nice Joel on these early August. He's, he's driving the band at points. Joel, Joel was so much more prominent in the, in the sound of the band uh, pre Jake. Um, so I, th- I think that historical uh, perspective just on uh, their sonic growth, it was Joel and Brendan were counterbalancing each other and, and August really shared equal parts who was who was leading. And as far as Bayless's vocal, very, you know, one of the more Eddie Vedder prominent influence kind of approaches to singing particularly again in that middle i believe in the middle section that is now gone 
I thought that that was really kind of had a feeling, even though it wasn't during aggressive music, but the, the porch, this Herbland song porch, when he, when Eddie starts improvising in the middle of that, kind of that, that middle section of the vocal kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Yep. yep I hear that. Uh, I also hear, I, I hear one fish song and, and I think you've, you picked up on another, um, these kind of more springy up tempo sections sound a lot like, uh, parts of another fish composition, Gaiuti. And and what are you picking up on, Rob? Part of Gaiuti that where it gallops along like a horse or like a really, really well-toned pick. Um, and then I hear it, it, earlier in the song, as you describe as, where is it? Um, <clears throat> yeah, after actually, I believe it's just after the, the middle vocal part that is gone, when it gets real quiet, there's a very man who stepped into yesterday, which is from, I believe it was on Trey's original white tape. It's an instrumental that goes back to Trey's a student as a student at Goddard College. Uh, I think is uh, he wrote it some end of semester thing. I don't know. You can go read Dean Bunnick's Fish Almanac if you want all the inside out on that. That's the original fish book. But um Man Who Stepped Near is a beautiful melody, and this is kind of, you know, in the ballpark, similar, not the same, mind you. I don't think anybody's going to, you know, you don't have a situation. Uh, uh, what was the band that Zeppelin ripped off with Stairway to Heaven? Was it Sweet? No, what was it? I forget. It's not a situation like that. It's just more of an homage. There's an influence. There is an influence. Distinct. Um, but that that kind of relaxed uh sweetness really becomes the flavor of august going forward um so even though so that that's the original composition uh going back to 1998-99 the song was played frequently and then all of a sudden september of 1999 the song disappears it was it was played every other show or so and then disappears for six months. Somebody somebody must have stepped up and vetoed. Somebody I'm guessing the exercised their veto. And uh yeah, disappeared. Didn't know. Obviously it's a it's a there had been one song until that point that had been retired, and that was Bob, R.I.P. Um, but every other song on on Greatest Hits Volume 3 was and still remains in active rotation uh, until August disappears. Six long, long months. And uh, in March of 2000, we're still six months before Jake even joins the band, mind you. Um, it, it, it pops up again. And it is a different song. Less intricate compositionally, but more fertile ground for improvisation pretty much right away right yep yep I mean, within uh the first the first one that came out that night um march 4th 2000 bench warmers also an rip in south bend um it was fairly buttoned up but you got a preview of how they had reconstructed trimmed 15 and a half minutes to barely three minutes they still left room for an intro sometimes that was bass prominent sometimes it was the band uh playing starting together and, and 
really teasing out an intro. Um, the lyrics basically got switched into two sections. So he runs through the lyrics, verse and chorus one time, and then you dive into improv. And the improv over the years has grown, swelled to uh, to great lengths. And then they return to the... Oh, yeah. I want to say from your article, I want to get this in there because I really like the way you say this from your article. How do you, how do you prefer? Do you call it an essay? you call it a word on a blog? you like blog? Want to go blog? An essay. Um, essay. Essay sounds astute. Essay. Er, erudite. Hey, essay. What's up, essay? <laughs> this is what you say. By subtracting the composed parts, the song was given permission to color outside the lines and stay out past curfew after Bayless concludes his fretwork. Basically, opening up the back end of the song with more frequency and in many cases, wide open. Uh, they don't, I, don't, I often don't think they're completely off the map improv these days, but coming out of August, it can, it can get, you can get a feel that this could go anywhere, right? It can go anywhere, and they're so they know how to get back into it. They can just drop back into the lyric reprise. It can be from any any vantage point, any any high diving board. Yes, but after the Bayless guitar, when they come back, it's just to that end section, though, right? Once Bayless does his, this is what. So there was no Bayless solo in the original composition. Right by trimming twelve minutes. Brennan got uh, his own solo feature, and and that remained when when Jake joined. It's one of the songs where you you do get to have be blown away by uh, Bayless uh, on guitar, and then some songs sometimes they'll go into bonus improv. There um, they'll 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 push back out, um, but oftentimes they they end with a it, it's a a stirring resolution. Yeah, we're gonna throw we're gonna have. We got a couple of clips coming up for you. First of all, we're gonna we're gonna give an example of the Gaiuti portion here, and the music segment immediately preceding this was an example of the man who stepped into yesterday, influenced Ish. version uh, in section. Excuse me, ish. It's in the ballpark. Jimmy's not as Jimmy. Two our years. And hey, if you don't hear, freaking slam me. Email us, umfwildshow at gmail.com. We want your emails. We want your criticism. It's more fun than praise, actually. And- Damn it! To be clear, they have other influences that we will be uh, really getting into with other artists. A, a, a wide, wide palette of artistic influences. This song oh, just happens to be Superfish. <laughs> yes, yes, certainly the the early one. But um, now we're gonna have Brendan talking about just in general the uh, the feeling of being in a band and ha- having your songs go through these changes and working as a band together and, and how difficult and how easy that can be, you know, sensitive people like Eddie Vedder, speaking of Eddie Vedder, he always calls it his blood. His songs are like his blood. So you're basically telling someone to change your blood, you know, that can't be an easy thing. And then we have Ryan speaking specifically about August. So let's, let's go on there. Thank you. 
it's difficult for sure. Um, and I guess the more you write, the more you're willing to make concessions because essentially to, to make something work in a band, excuse me, is a sum of parts and people need to feel like their contribute, their contributions are considered or, you know, valid or good or, and some people, um, I think just will try and put a little twist or a spin on something so that way they can have their fingerprint on it, which in some cases is fantastic, you know, and actually makes the thing better. In some cases it isn't. And it, it's never easy. It's basically, uh, sometimes you, you, you gotta be willing to concede. And sometimes when you really firmly believe in something, you just gotta say, no, this is how it is. I'm sorry. Um, is it, uh, it's, it's amicable for sure, because it's, it's, you just have to get past the whole thing. And then once you start playing it live after like six times, you don't even think about that shit anymore. And it's just like, it's, you, it's out for everybody. So it's just that initial moment of deciding is, that, do I need to compromise or does he need to compromise or do we need to compromise or, um, we, initially made a rule when we were writing mantis together that every idea that someone suggests we have to at least try it before we say no to it and i think that made a big difference because at least then you can kind of a b the idea and say here's what it sounds like this way here's what it sounds like this way it's easier to step back and, and make a judgment versus just saying let's do it this way you've got a beautiful bass solo that kind of leads us in oh he doesn't Sometimes. solo he doesn't solo. Sometimes. According to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, a, brief, a, a brief musical conversation. You know, <laughs> I, I, I do like having that area. And, it, and when it feels right, it's nice. Sometimes um, you'll get everybody in the mics being like, okay, all in. Um, other times it's a time thing. If it's in an encore, it's a thing. You know, like I love exploring for uh, 60 seconds to three minutes um, of coming up with something that kind of sets the tone. And it's a great spot for it. It's also a good time for transitions when a song ends. Um, if August is next and there's dead air, I'm not a big fan of dead air. Um, I'll, I'll let that be a little bit of a bass feature as opposed to a solo. Um, the the song itself has definitely evolved probably the most out of any i mean obviously you did a um you did some work on it but um probably more than any umphrey song that i'm aware of um from the first time all four of us uh in umphrey's probably composed together you know writing the song and being in the same room with a song and bringing the parts and and fitting it together um in a short period of time and and then realizing it was like, there's a lot of the eye of the beholder, a lot of stuff that is unnecessary in this, if we're going to get to the meat. And I think at the same time, we kind of were saying the same thing about Haji Bamashte or Haj. Um, we started trimming parts that were like, we could extend improv areas and jam areas to get more bang for your buck than having these unnecessarily um, kind of sophomoric, um, you know, kind of riffs. And, and melodies that, that didn't seem long lasting to us, at least at the time, or I'd I couldn't even tell you what they are. I mean, I haven't listened to an 18 minute original August. I do have the CD in my car. So maybe on my next uh, trip to pick up the kids from school, I'll have to give it a, a listen and get back to you. But, but 
I think the goal, you know, long, uh, short story long here is to make the song from beginning to end, not have any weak moments or parts intentionally. Now, if the jam falls flat or if the improv doesn't get to where we had expected or hoped, then yes, that's, that's, that's life. But from a, com a compositional standpoint, uh, I'd rather eliminate the weak and keep the, uh, keep the soldiers strong. But the, but the definition of that, which is weak, must not always be unanimous. Was there any pushback? Was there any parts that certain members wanted to keep? No, I mean, if anybody wanted to keep it, I'm going to guess it was Joel, just, 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 just guessing. But, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure we were pretty all adamant on, like, we could do better. You know, you got to remember, too, I mean, we were only a band. I mean, those guys, like, it was like breaking up with your girlfriend. I mean, they went and quit their band in, in the winter of 97. And uh, we started rehearsing and, and like we were already booking gigs because Joel, God bless him, was like the marketing and, and manager. Uh, he had he already had all, all the, the ins and the, 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 the promoters like he was the guy. He knew everybody and, and he took on that whole standpoint where we didn't have to have those responsibilities. So we were playing gigs and we we're like, we need to write songs. We need to write them now. We need to write them quick. So there wasn't a lot of um, maturity. There wasn't a lot of. Uh, vocabulary there wasn't a lot of options so we just started legoing sticking things together and then we start performing it and be like oh this is good this is good next 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 this is good this is good and then you know you start playing them getting gigs and then after a while we go back and be like yeah meh you know meh not that good so that's when you trim the fat we're gonna take advice from the pony man and trim the fat get right back to the show jimmy i'll tell you it changed. August changed. And for, perhaps for the better, even though those of us who like elaborate compositions, you know, maybe maybe they did the right thing there. I, I it, It's hard to argue with the results. There's There's been a lot of magical, magical moments that just spring from from where this uh, where the improv goes and and not just instrumental improv. Yes, and we're going to, so first, just as a quick reset, there's uh, you, maybe if you look at old set lists, you may see August, Jimmy Stewart, you may see Jimmy Stewart all over the place. That and another thing called Jazz Odyssey are moments of improvisation. You can argue to what extent those differ and are distinct, uh, one or the other. Uh, but the point being, they're improvisation. So we have these things called lyrical stews, which in essence, lyrics almost always, Brendan, uh, are part of the improvisation. And as I said, well, we'll let Brendan tell you, but um, many lyrical stews have happened during August, correct? Uh, a, a good, a good chunk. Um, between August and, and Der Blutenkot, those are uh, two of the, for different reasons, I would say, uh, are the most conducive to call this a, an enhanced creativity where lyrics get into get thrown into the, the the mix and august i think because it it kind of probes in this more melodic um open open jamming space it's a you used the term fertile bed uh before and it really fertile is that. also the lyrics and music are conducive to introspection and introspection can be conducive to creativity. I mean, that can be part of it. 
the associative property of music? Sure. That's a good start. Let's let Brennan, and we're going to trim the fat some more. Let's go right to Brennan, telling what he where, where he thinks all this lyrical improvisation came from. And how often are those lyrics coming out of nowhere? And how often is it something? Oh, I, you've thought about, and it's a catchy line you have in your head, and you're you're searching for music to go with it. Um, it's weird. It's kind of half and half. Some of it, I, I specifically remember something from. Uh, it was the pageant and there's some, some stewards, like something about an exit sign. And I remember just looking over and seeing the exit sign above the monitor board and just like, okay, so, uh, sign rhyme exit and exit, like just start thinking quick. Exit. Uh-huh. <laughs> exit. Um, and then some of, some of them have been maybe a song that I'd written and I sent it to the band and, it didn't make the cut. So it's just sitting on a shelf. And so sometimes it's like a Rolodex of like a guitar player will probably play, could play a solo. And if he's feeling it, he's going to pull stuff out of the, out of the cosmos and it'll be fantastic. But if he's not, he can always do, okay, I'm going to do five seconds of clap. And now I'm going to do five seconds of back. Now I'm going to do five seconds of, you know, and pull from a Rolodex of, of licks. And I guess lyrically, Melodically, you can kind of do the same thing, um, but it, it's not like uh, I'm I'm writing down stuff before that before the show. So sometimes it's completely out of nowhere, and sometimes it's like a half baked idea. And sometimes Stasic will look at me when we're playing; he'll just go, and most times I look at him like you do it. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> Brendan wants to punish the fans. <laughs> Do you have yeah. a, a, a notebook, a journal that you keep kind of rhymes and musings going, or is this just jotting on any notepad that you can? Yeah, I mean, there I actually, go. yeah, I do. Um, I have a, I keep everything. I have every single notebook since, uh, Tashi Station since 1997. Mm. I have every. So sometimes, I mean, I haven't really gone back, but there's been times where I've gone back and been like, okay, so for like any song like this, let's say there's, I don't know how many, 16 lines. I kept one, two, three, four. These are, those are the only four I kept from that. So I know like I can go, I can go back to that and then maybe of the 10 that I didn't use, four of those are good. So it's kind of just, uh, I don't know. That, when, that's when, if, 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 I'm use, if I'm regurgitating an idea, sometimes it's also like, here's one that I think is really good. I'm just gonna keep doing this until the guys finally agree with me.
Well, that is an example right there of a lyrical stew and uh, from back in 2014. Isn't that correct? Jimmy Knowledge, take us into the world of Unphonology, Jimmy Knowledge. That that made its way onto the 2014 Hall of Fame album. That is a hell of a uh, just inspired lyrical. Where where did that come from? And then they made it a song. It came back at Ross Stewage, and uh, so so proud of that little guy. And yes, <laughs> the lyrical stews. Uh, it is it is special when they click. And analysis of the improv and lyrical stews and non-lyrical stews and whatever will be a big part of side B, episode four of the Humphreys Wild Show. We want your input. Um, we have a special guest. We really had to pull some strings to get the guest. We want we don't want to announce it now because I don't want to steal this guest from us. But um, we've got a great guest for side B. And uh, but give us your in- input. Wow show at gmail.com. Please also listen to if you have time, listen to side B of Hurt Birdbath episode two and give us your feedback on that because we will be reading those at the end of our or we're not sure if we're going to include it as part of side B or if it'll just become its own side C of, of Hurt Birdbath uh, audience feedback. We'll, we'll see how that all plays out. Baby stuff here. We're, we're figuring this out. Baby stuff. Yeah, we're doing the steps, Rob. We're up as we go along, man. And boy, uh, we've got a special treat for you to to close out this August side. A appreciate you listening, and uh, you get to let your ears be tantalized by. I'll put it this way: I was looking around to hear the original studio version. I couldn't find it anywhere online. Sarah J chased it down, and that's she's gonna allow us. It's uh, again from Alfred McGee Greatest Hits Volume Three. Good luck finding. Was it ever made on vinyl? Do you know? Probably not, huh? Not yet. Next year's year twenty-five. I don't know. Things happen in twenty-fifth years of albums being released. I've heard uh, "Mum" is the word in, in um camp. I don't know. It would be. I I can't imagine they would want to put Bob out on album on vinyl. Yes. Well, maybe they could just trim it and tighten it up and then say it's because of space or time constraints. But they would trim heard... the fat of their own album. That would be meta. Hey, you know, trimming the fat. They want to trim the fat. They even inspired us to trim the fat just a, just a little bit. But um, what was I going? Oh, man, I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. I've also heard talk that they were considering releasing a very early show officially, which they have not yet ever done. So. Hopefully that'll see the light of day someday. But anyway, Jimmy, why don't you throw to the, and again, please, if you have favorite versions of August with stews or without, particularly with ones with stews, please email us on show at Gmail or reach out to us on Twitter as on show. Um, I am RST. Just to be clear, it is um, U-M-W-O-W-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. I think both work. I think we got both, but either way, um, oh. show. Well, that was that was good planning. Fortuitous. I hope we, I hope we did because you know, um, um, oh my god. Let's, let's find it. out. Send a boat. Um, um, wow, show. I, I hear someone in the background there, but um, night, buddy. <laughs> but thanks for joining us, Jimmy. This is great. Please, everybody, chime in. Give us your favorite versions 
And um, I am R-S-T-N-E-R on Twitter. And Jimmy is Nachos for All on Twitter. Please follow us. Please reach out to us by Twitter. Uh, however, email, however you can. And thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Be well. Be kind. Here it is. The original. August. <laughs>